0: Following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri, who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.bransonchurch. So I have to tell you, when I was a teenager, I was even more of a geek than I am now, and everybody's like, "No way, right? How is that possible?" Yeah, some of you guys saw me then. You're like, "Yeah, it was pretty bad," and so. One of the things that I was, is I was a geek, a nerd, the whole nine times, I was a computer guy, I mean, I was was in the time when computers were not cool yet, and so, you know, us and Bill Gates were all there trying to change the world, he did a lot more than I did, but, you know, I was always kind of one of these rah, 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 when when he became the richest man in the world, I'm like, see, the nerds did win, right, that's what it was, but anyway, so, I was a total geek, total nerd in that whole world of the 1980s and, and early 90s, and, and, um, the other thing I was, besides computer stuff, is I was also a bit of a Bible geek even then. I right? didn't understand really what I was doing. And I was totally into the whole study of the end times, like in a very unhealthy way. right? And I would go to my pastor, who was a good conservative Bible pastor, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, whole nine yards. And I would say, Pastor, I want to know all about the end times. He's like, yeah, you don't need to know. Jesus wins. That's all you need to know. Oh, and that was not what you wanted to tell me. I mean, the whole Jesus wins part, yeah, high fives, but I want the details, right? I want the nitty gritty. And I would come to scriptures like we've just read here in Matthew 24, and I would study all of it, and I began to play the game that everyone was playing in the 80s and the 90s, which was pin the tail on the Antichrist, right? That's what we were trying to do. Who is it? Because, you know, in the 1980s, there was this guy named Gorbachev. You know, some of you guys remember him, Mikhail Gorbachev. And, I mean, he even had, like, that birthmark on his head. So it was that one passage, that one obscure passage that everyone would take out of context. And, like, you know, he had this mark on his head. I mean, he had to be the Antichrist, right? Well, then when, you know, the wall came down, we were like, well, maybe not. You know, and, see, and the game continued, right? And so then it was Saddam Hussein and then it was Barack Obama for the Republicans and it was Donald Trump for the Democrats and everybody. I mean, this is what it goes on to be, right? It's ridiculous. And I was swept away in it. So I'm just trying to tell you, that's not what the study of the end times should be about for God's people. This is about hope. This is about looking out at the world or flipping on the evening news. May the Lord have mercy. Maybe the cable news. Oh my goodness. And you you watch it for 30 seconds and all of it is is this big fear-mongering thing so that you'll tune in through the commercial break, right? That's what it is. And so it's designed to do the opposite of what the story of the Scriptures is to do. We don't use the newspaper or the internet or the evening news or the cable news to define what is in the story of the Bible. We do it the other way around. We take the story And we learn it, and we know what it is. So that when all that stuff happens, we're like, no problem. Turns out my old pastor was probably right, even though I don't want to admit it. Dale, somewhere, you know, hear me out. But, um, yeah, all that matters is Jesus wins. And this actually becomes very relevant to you and to me on our daily life journey because we face this kind of stuff all the time. I want to put on the screen... Matthew 24, verses 15 and 16. We're going to put a couple of these scriptures up and zoom in on them that we read um, because the first thing we want to zoom in on is this idea of what is hope. We said it earlier, and it's worth saying it again. My Uncle Marty would always say, um, call a thing what it is. Don't, Don't sugarcoat, right? Sugarcoating is one of the most dangerous things that can happen in the world, okay? So... So, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, we put my father in law in the ground. We did. And somebody might say to me, you know, well, he's in a better place now. And I'm like, have you ever gone in the ground? I don't think that's a better place. And they're like, well, I don't mean that, Mark. But do you see what they did right there? They started sugarcoating, right? You know how when we were at the funeral home, and I find, found it interesting, there was the younger funeral director who was sort of taking over because the, the older folks are retiring. And so, but the, the older guy would still come and help the younger funeral director. And he would come in and he would say, Okay, we're going we're gonna to do this thing with the hearse. And she was like, No, it's the coach. You see what happened there? You see what happened there? We're sugarcoating. Guys, call a thing what it is. Death is bad. The Bible calls death the enemy. The last enemy that will be defeated because of the resurrection of Jesus. That's why Christmas, that's why we celebrate Christmas because Jesus was born in Bethlehem to bring about the restoration of all things. And that includes the resurrection of the dead, it includes dead people coming out of the dirt. That's what it is. That's what hope is. We don't look at the graveyard and go, oh, well, it'll all work out. No. No, we look at the graveyard and we're like that's gonna be the place where the party is on the last day. Because Jesus is coming back. He ain't done yet, right? This is what we're talking about. And right in the middle of Jesus talking about how the end will come and this will happen and that happened, there's this passage, Matthew twenty four. And we gotta we gotta unload or unpack it and see what it is. He says, So, when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes the desolation, we're gonna to have to talk about that phrase, because for like for the end times, geeks like I was. I mean, those are like code words. Those are fighting words right there. Spoken of through the prophet Daniel. And then there's that, let the reader understand, which might as well say, let the reader be confused. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Jesus was calling a thing what it is. Okay, So just to give us a little mini, mini calendar of the first century. Jesus was saying these words, best bet, probably 33 A.D. In about 40 years from then, the Roman Empire would arrive on the doorsteps of Jerusalem and destroy the city. And they would be (laughs) certainly an abomination that causes the desolation. And then that phrase, we'll talk about in a minute, but they, they, they leveled the city. And to this day, if you go to Jerusalem, there's only one wall left of the temple, and it's where everyone goes to cry. It's called the Wailing Wall, right? And they go there because... All of the things they put their hopes in seemingly were destroyed. And here Jesus is saying, "This is not, it's not about that. He said, you, you destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. You see what he did there. You destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. Everyone goes to the wall to cry. And the reason they cry there is because there's no hope there. There's optimism maybe. Well, maybe someday you know, we'll get to somehow have peace with all the people here in Jerusalem and rebuild the temple, blah, blah, blah. Even Christians will participate in this because they're missing the point. The point is, what, what was Daniel talking about? Remember, it's spoken of through the prophet Daniel. Let the reader understand means time to go do a Bible study. Time to go read the book of Daniel. And everybody's like, yep, I'm not doing that. Football's on today, so check in with me later. But the idea is, what I want you to see and I want you to grow in is that Jesus was saying, hey, there's going to come a day when all this stuff is going to be destroyed. And that was true for them. He said this generation will not pass away before these things happen. Forty years later, boom, it happens. right? But at the same time, there is this, there's this thing when you're reading Matthew 24, because it's like looking at a painting. Some of the things are in the foreground and some of the things are in the background. And to us, it sounds strange because he seems to move in and out of the things that were going to happen right then and the things that were going to happen later when the sun is going to turn dark and the sky and the nations will mourn and all that language. Guys, in this world, the end times is so simple. And I always made it so hard. I always tried to move the charts and all the graphs and all the technical stuff. It's just so simple. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, it's going to go really good or really bad. And this is not a left-behind kind of story. This is a, the good news is he's going to make all things new. But some people don't want it. Okay, that's inexplicable. I don't have any answers for you there. Scripture doesn't talk to that other than to say, that's terrible, that's bad. But the hope that we have is that when he comes back, it's going to be, he said, you'll be able to see it as, the, as, the, as you see lightning in the, in the east because it's visible from the west. And I think I did that backwards. I think it was in the west. You could see it in the east. Either way, everybody's going to see it. Everybody's going to know about it. No secret, no little, you know, little razzle-dazzle rapture where everybody gets beamed up. None of that. On the day of the coming of the Son of Man, everyone will see it everyone will see it there's one day there's not like lots of days There's not like when it comes the first time and the second time and the third time. there's weird people out there teaching weird things trust me if you would talk to like 18 year old me i could have told you the whole story right that's not what the bible teaches the bible simply says there is the coming of the son of man and when that time comes we have hope not optimism we don't look out at the world and go i think it's going to get better I mean, surely it'll get better Because I am an optimist. My wife is a pessimist, and so we have a really interesting relationship. I'm always seeing the glass half full, and she's like, seriously? Take a look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 27. On that day, for as lightning that comes from the east, see it is, east is visible from the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. This is the thing I want you to remember. The coming of the Son of Man is not something you're going to miss. This is what Jesus says. People will tell you all these deceptions, right? And I was... 18-year-old me was totally buying into all that. Nonsense, right? And all these people who develop all these little systems and thoughts, And no, just read the Bible. And when it gets hard to read, read it some more. And then when you're like, but Mark, it's just read it some more. Because you know what, you know what reading Scripture does to you? It gives you Jesus. And he gives you hope. Reading Scripture gives you Jesus. And he gives you hope. Hope is very different. Hope does not disappoint us because through it we see the love of God poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This is what happens. Take a look at Romans chapter five, verse six. Really interesting idea because what we do when we read Scripture is we look back in order to see ahead. This is why we're like, why do you always talk about end times at Christmas time? Can we just talk about little baby Jesus, like you know, Talladega Nights? We just want a little baby Jesus, right? You know, that's what we want. And so, you know, no. No, baby Jesus is King Jesus, who is the Lord of Lords, right? And the Prince of Peace. And on the day of his return, there will be mourning in all the nations because they'll be like, wait a minute, I thought we got to run the place? Turns out we don't. And so this is the point where we must look back in order to see ahead. I love what the Apostle Paul says here because it captures the heart and the character of God Almighty. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, so many people are caught in the trap of saying, well, if I could just sort of get a little better, then maybe God will like me. That's not what the Bible teaches, guys. Because if you actually do believe that, it will only lead you to despair. It will lead you to devastation of your faith. Instead, while we were still powerless, Christ died for them. Now, you got to know, I didn't put MLV here, but I changed that word from the NIV. They put ungodly. But the Greek word there is, Acebes, or acebes, I don't pronounce it right. But anyway, it's this word that just means like, well, it means wicked. That's what, that's what it means. And ungodly kind of has this like, well, you know, they're not really godly people, but they're okay. You know, wicked is what, is what Jesus is interested in. Like the people who are opposed to God is who Jesus came for. And it was while we were opposed to God that he saved us. This is so important. Just the right time. Just the right time. And and those of you I know especially those of you who've had a few more years a few more trips around the sun than others you know this to be true it's just the right time god gets involved just the right time he comes in and he helps you when you cannot help yourself sorry ben franklin but god precisely helps those who help themselves who cannot help themselves he that's that's all god is interested in in fact it's the ones who think they can help themselves that are the real problem right and i can speak from personal experience on that when i thought i could make myself righteous i was i was worthless But the moment you and I say, Lord Jesus, save me, it gets good. Take a look at verse 10. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his, what's that last word? Through his life. I love what Tim and John said in the Bible Project video. They were talking about how hope is in a person, not an idea, not a concept, not a philosophy. A person, a dude, a dude who walked out of the tomb. Because, guys, at the end of the day, um, you know, people will say, well, we're, we're going to get to put Christ back in Christmas. I would love to put Christ back in Christianity. That's what we need to do. Because, wh- you know, whether we get to say Merry Christmas or not is not the point. The question is do we love our neighbor or not? Do we take this good news and share it, right? And see, the way that that happens is to put Christ back in us and to see that when we look at the world and when we look at our lives and our circumstances, and we were talking about Wednesday night, how there's a lot of people during this time of year who really struggle and substance abuse gets to an all-time high and suicide gets to an all-time high and all those kinds of things just spike, right? And, And what do we do with that? Right? How to, and then you can say, well, you know, they just didn't, you know, whatever. They didn't do the right thing, you know. Or, or we could participate in what's going on here with reconciliation, with hope, right? This idea that if you see yourself for who you are, you are a child of God Almighty set free by the blood of Jesus Christ, the baby born in Bethlehem for you. Not just for all y'all, although all y'all is true but for you, that he did it for you. And then you're set free, and you're like, well, what did I do to deserve this? According to the Bible, nothing. But how much more then shall we be saved through his life? Because this idea of resurrection comes rushing back in, and it's where we we conclude our time, because we say it like this. So, Mark, you said death is bad, right? The Bible says death is bad. It's the final enemy to be defeated. Yes, it is. So when we talk about the end times and we talk about all these different things happening and we don't know when it will happen or how it will happen, what we do know is on the last day, Jesus will come back and the dead in Christ shall rise first. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And they will come out of the ground, uh, the ocean, and out of every other place. If they've been cremated, then whatever, it doesn't matter. Those ashes are coming back. It doesn't matter and then we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the air. This is the promise of God. It's because we do not we do not believe in our, our scripture or story is not this idea that if you're a good person you'll float away like we were talking about it's a wonderful life, right? We were to go into that movie and you know when somebody dies an angel gets its wings, you like, oh, know. No. When somebody dies, they're with Jesus those who trust in him. But they're waiting Just like you and I are. We're waiting. We're hoping for the day. In the book of Revelation, they're like, how long, O Lord? You know, all through the Psalms, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? When the mission is done, the reason the Lord delays is because He loves everybody. And His desire is that all people would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, which is Jesus died for you and he was raised from the dead, so that you and I will be just like him. We will have perfect bodies, which I can't even imagine, right? What would happen if my body was perfect? You know, I can't tell you because it'd be pretty amazing. But what would happen? You know, you know anybody here have sore knees or elbows, or your neck won't, un, you know, all of that kind of stuff? Or you just think I don't look good enough, or any all of that? We have hope. We call a thing what it is. I was dead, but now I'm alive. You were dead. But now you're alive because of that baby born in the manger, dying on a cross, coming out of the tomb for you. Please pray with me. Father, we come before you as your children. We have nothing to offer, but we trust in your promises that it was while we were yet your enemies that you sent Jesus for us. Root that truth deep in our hearts and help us trust in you in the middle of it each day. As we go forward in this life, looking at the bad and recognizing it for what it is, but having hope in all circumstances, even the most terrible ones, not because of anything other than the promises that you have given to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.